Hello, my name is Isaac Keith Martinez, and welcome to Isaac's Haunted Beard. Today, we are going to be talking about two films, The Black Phone and Day Shift. I haven't done one of these episodes in a while, but I have done them before. It is one of those episodes where I talk about two films specifically because the episode was inspired by a real life double feature that I did. <laughs> and I did this double feature because these are two new horror films that have recently been added to streaming platforms. The Black Phone has been recently added to Peacock, and Day Shift, which is a made-for-Netflix film, has recently been added to Netflix. And I, I am noticing how it's kind of funny that I'm saying recently. It only qualifies as recently if you listened to this episode as soon as it dropped. How quickly things no longer qualify as being considered recently. Maybe you're listening to this episode 20 years from now, and these movies are ancient. I doubt it. So, um, yeah, I wasn't actually planning on doing this episode, but I thought it'd be kind of fun to share my opinion about these movies. One of the reasons I don't really like doing episodes about newer films is because I feel like everyone does episodes focusing on newer films. And I think, I mean, that makes sense, right? Because a lot of people either are film critics or um, kind of, I don't want to be mean and say they fancy themselves to be film critics. I mean, you know, fake it till you make it, right? I mean, maybe that's their goal. Maybe they want to be film critics and this is the steps they're taking in that direction until they could become a professional film critic. So more power to you if that's your, your goal. But there's a lot of people with that goal, I guess, right? That's not my specific goal. My goal is just to watch movies and enjoy them and share that love with you. But I think it's okay to once in a while bend my own rules and talk about a recent film because... Because I have that privilege, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have any rules. I, there's nothing stopping me <laughs> from doing that. And maybe, maybe you want to know my opinion about newer stuff every now and again. Doesn't matter because we're doing it anyway. <laughs> so I started the night, and then, and and this is the the order that I watched the movies in. I watched the Black Phone first, and then I watched. Uh, day shift. And I was actually just going to watch day shift. That was my plans for the evening. And I had found out that same night that black phone had dropped. And I was very excited because I've been wanting to see, uh, the black phone as soon as I saw the tra trailer for it, when it first came out and, um, both movies are, are new. I know that the black phone, I guess, technically it's considered a 2021 movie, but it was, um, delayed and it's released, so it came out in 2022. So as far as I'm concerned, the date of a movie should be um, given to it based on when it was released. So The Black Phone was theatrically released in 2022, and being that 
Day Shift's been released in 2022. They're both, as of the publishing of this episode, still new. So I started the night with the black phone. Now, my goal, my, opi- my, my opinion was, um, I had this idea that I would start the night, because I, I, knew, I knew the differences in tones of the two films based on the trailer. So I had an idea what I was gonna, what I was in for. So the idea was that I would start the movie the night with um, a more serious tone film and then build to the more whimsical, more fun, wild movie that I assumed Day Shift would be, which it, which it is. <laughs> and in my mind, that made sense because, you know, you start off kind of like uh, slower paced and then you build up speed. Now... Did it work? I will say that opinion till after I'm done talking about both films. So for now, I'm going to talk about the black phone. Um, hmm. Is there going to be spoilers? Kind of, sort of, not really. I feel like no is the real answer. I'm not really going to spoil anything important, but I am going to mention something that I think is kind of considered a spoiler. Um, but I feel like it's the kind of spoiler that any person that would describe this movie to someone else would also mention. I don't think it's protected information. So, you know, be warned. So here's, I know, here's, here's, here's a light uh, going over of the plot. Taking place in the year 1978, yeah, preteen looking boy. I'm not really sure how old he is. I think he's maybe 11 or 12. Uh, named Finney is abducted and wakes up in a basement. Now, he doesn't get abducted immediately. You do spend some time uh, getting to know the character and the characters in his world for a little while before this kicks into the plot. But, uh, for the most part, this is this is what the point of the movie is, right? So let's skip to that part. Finney wakes up in a basement. He has been kidnapped by a man wearing a devil-like mask that has been nicknamed the Grabber by all the neighborhood kids as abductions has been happening lately. So there are some kids missing. It's noticed that there is a black phone in the room. So the room that... Finney is in this basement, pretty bare, but there is a black phone on the wall. But it doesn't work. First thing he goes for, right? Tries to see if he can call for help. It doesn't work. And uh, the grabber visits him and says, oh, the phone's broken, doesn't work. However, and I guess this would be considered the spoiler, um, but it happens fairly early in the movie, and then it's something that continues throughout the entire film so you realize okay so this is the point of the movie this is the whole reason why the film's called the black phone so i i i still stick to the idea that's not really a spoiler um finney starts receiving phone calls on the broken phone and these calls are all from victims of the grabber and they're all giving finney information that could help him escape his captor. And that's it. Kids, that's all I'm going to tell you about the plot of the black phone. Because um, it's a it's a fairly simple setup. I don't think there's any more that needs to be said. 
Um, it's it's a good movie. Um, it doesn't need anything more than that. In fact, if you watch it and, and, and agree with me that it's a good movie, um, I think you'd understand what I mean by it doesn't need anything more than that. You can do a lot with a little. Um, you can also not do enough with a lot, if that makes sense. You know, like you can crowd your film with tons of information and stuff. And if it's, if it's lousy, all those bells and whistles aren't going to save it. But with a simple setup, uh, you can make an excellent film with the right performances by the right people, with the right screenplay. Um, this movie has that. This film is a film that takes itself seriously. It's not, it's not really like a fun movie. Obviously, the setup is not fun. The idea of kidnapping a child is not fun. But the point of what I'm trying to say is, that's that's the mindset you have to choose to go into when you make a choice if you want to watch a movie like this you you can't go hey i heard there's a new movie out and you know, let's pop some popcorn and we'll have a good time you could have a good time with this movie if you're a fan of this kind of movie but if this seems too heavy duty of a subject for you either watch it when you're in the mood or make a different choice you know one of the things that crossed my mind when I was watching this movie is I wonder how this movie would play for someone who had kids. Like, would this movie be more difficult for a parent to sit through? I don't have kids. So it's something that I can't relate to, but it's not lost on me that this might be hard for a parent to sit through. Um, if you're a parent, I am not suggesting that you avoid this movie. I think you're going to really enjoy it. I just think that there's that potential that it might be a more rough watch for you than it would for me. Is that be me because I'm such a cold person <laughs> that I can't feel sympathy because he's not my child? Or I mean, like I don't have a child, so I can't like put myself in the place of a of a parent who's who's, who's lost a child. No, I'm not. But but I think it's unfair to say that you know exactly what it would feel like to uh, to go through something like this if you're a parent, if you are not, in fact, a parent. I really appreciate that this movie takes itself seriously. I think that that's what this movie needs in order to succeed, um, especially when you have an element that could be considered supernatural, right? Or not considered i mean i guess it is supernatural i mean if he's receiving phone calls from um ghosts uh, then then that's supernatural uh i mean unless i mean <laughs> this is not a spoiler i hope you don't consider this a spoiler i mean unless you were trying to suggest well what if he's not receiving phone calls from ghosts what if he's crazy <laughs> what if it's all in his head the movie doesn't um, present itself in a way to suggest that it might be all in its head. And I, I don't think that's something that anyone who watches the movie would consider. I do think it's, it's played straightforward. And I think you are 
I think you are definitely like going with what the movie is suggesting that he's receiving phone calls from ghosts. There is more information that I could give that supports this, but I really am actually holding on to some information that I think would definitely be considered some spoilers. And, uh, I, I am hoping that you'll watch the film because I am recommending it. Because if I didn't care, I would just spoil it. But I do care. And I do think that the audience for this movie is the people who listen to this show. I think that you are the kind of person who would enjoy this movie. Um, I also, I don't think this would come to you as a surprise to learn the identity of the grabber because you've seen either the trailer or the poster. I mean, it's very heavily promoted and marketed that Ethan Hawke is in this movie and he plays the grabber and you don't see Ethan Hawke's face because he wears this mask, but you hear his voice and Ethan Hawke has been a movie star for so long now that we all recognize his voice. And I went into it wondering if that would make the character less scary for me knowing it's Ethan Hawke. And I found that it was pretty easy to go along with the character, even though I recognize Ethan Hawke's voice. I feel Ethan Hawke's voice is pretty uh, recognizable. And I think it benefits from having an actor like Ethan Hawke play the part because he's a great actor. This mask that he's wearing does not have the ability to make the mouth move. So you're seeing like a frozen expression and when you see a mask, you can't, you, it would be suggested that you can't really act because you can't show facial expressions. But if you're a really good actor, you can sell emotion through the sound of your voice. And I think evidence of that would be in, um, well, in theory with cartoons, you could say, no, it's not true because with cartoons, you can see a visual example of the facial expressions with the way they're animated, but you could really ruin um, you could ruin the whole thing if the voice actor who's voicing the character does a lousy job. So voice acting is important. And I think that Ethan Hawke is a talented actor. And I think all of his perform, I mean, he does have a physical performance in this movie, but none of it is registering on his face because you don't get to see that. So as far as communicating is concerned, it's all with his speaking. So being such a talented actor, he does a really great job with that mask on. And even though his voice is recognizable, even though I know it's Ethan Hawke, it didn't hurt at all in the fact that I didn't find the character any less threatening or less scary. In fact, Ethan Hawke's um, talent as an actor added so much to it. If anything, it, it made it more sinister. So, I really liked Ethan Hawke's performance in The Black Phone. Uh, this movie was never boring. Sometimes when you have such a simple concept, uh, it, it has that potential to be boring. And I found myself wondering, God, is this a movie where you spend an entire movie with a kid in the basement? I mean, how long is it before that gets old? And then one of the things that uh, popped into my head was the film Misery, where you spend most of a movie in a bedroom with just James Caan in a bed performing opposite Kathy Bates. And that movie is never boring. And that popped into my head pretty quickly in the beginning of this movie. Like, okay, 
there is proof that you can do this type of story if the, if the performances of the actors that are in it do a good job and if it is well written and thankfully it is of my opinion that the black phone does a good job great performances good screenplay and it's not once again this ain't a spoiler either it's not always in the basement you do see scenes outside of the basement where you see people who are looking for the kid and you even see some flashbacks and so forth so um visually you're not spending all of your time in the movie in the basement and when you are in the basement some really interesting things are happening the things that the ghosts are telling the kid to do when they have these phone conversations with him lend for some really interesting moments in the movie is the kind of movie i would watch again uh, short answer is yes but i don't think this is the kind of movie that i'd watch a lot i mean i think about misery as as an example i just gave moments ago i've watched that movie again but unlike other horror films or stephen king movies um it's not something i've watched as as often as the others because it's such a specific type of story um i found myself revisiting it not as often however that was to the benefit of the movie because if i waited for really long breaks in between viewings when i revisited it 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 played well so i could picture the same thing for this movie like i could picture just kind of forgetting about it and then one day like maybe years from now being in the mood to rewatch it and i think it would play well all over again uh, this movie is based on a short story by joe hill and it's common knowledge by now that and if it's not to you then hey you're about to find this out that joe hill is the real life son of stephen king joe hill is actually joe joseph king and joe hill is his um pseudonym is that the right term i've read one of joe hill's books i read heart-shaped box and it's really good and it feels like just a matter of time before there's a movie based on heart-shaped box and i was so good that i would have read more of his books if i was more of a reader but i'm not <laughs> I have read a bunch of books in my lifetime, but not nearly as much as people who are worthy of being called readers. You know, you find time for the things that are special to you, the things that are most important to you. And I make time for movies mostly. And, you know, whatever time that's left over, I don't usually give it to reading books, but once in a while, I have not given up on reading. Once in a while, I'll, I'll read something. I've read a lot of Stephen King books over the years. Uh, this film is directed by Scott Derrickson, who has made some horror films in his career. Even stuff that uh, I've seen, and some of them I have in my movie collection. Uh, some of the movies that Scott has made includes Hellraiser Inferno, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, Sinister, and he even made a movie for Marvel. He did Doctor Strange which is actually really good. I like Dr. Strange. Um, Scott Derrickson has said that Joe Hill had pitched him a wonderful idea for a sequel that he would do if the first film was successful. Well, how do we decide if a movie is successful? Well, you look at the budget and like how much did it cost to make the movie? And then you look at how much did the movie make in its performance in 
theaters and then see if there was much of a um, profit. So the black phone's budget was $18 million. The black phone grossed 86 million in its U S theatrical run and 150 million worldwide. So I think that qualifies as a successful film. So there you go. That's what I got to say about the black phone. And then I watched day shift on Netflix. I'm going to briefly explain to you what that's about. I'm sure you've seen the trailer and you know what it's about already, but I'll give you a little bit more, but not too much more because I am not going to give you any spoilers. Jamie Foxx plays Bud, a vampire hunter in Los Angeles. He is a father who is divorced. He finds out that his ex-wife is planning to sell their house and move her and their daughter to Florida. When Bud finds this out, he tries to bargain with her. What would it take to get them to stay? Well, $10,000 would help. They need money to pay for tuition for their daughter's private school and to pay for her to get braces. Bud is given a deadline. If he can get the money by a certain date, they will stay. So that means Bud has to get to work extra hard to kill vampires because he gets paid for the fangs of every dead vamp he kills. Yeah, there is a bunch more I could say. I'm not going to, because I feel like if you're the kind of person who would watch this movie and who, who could like this movie, I think that I gave you enough information. And because this movie is so new and because it's such a high profile release, I'm, I'm certain that you've all already heard about it and have an opinion about whether or not you want to see it or not. I liked this movie. I didn't love this movie, but I did like this movie. And I went into it kind of expecting to like it because I knew it was going to be less horror, more action. In fact, if you remove uh, vampires, then it's not a horror film. It's just an action film. It's just about a guy hunting criminals, I guess. But in this case, he's hunting vampires. So because there's that supernatural element, it is part of the horror family. But it has so much action in it and it's very stylized action and it's a very big budgety looking movie. This is not, um, by any means a small picture. This is a big film and it's got a lot of comedy. Like you don't have to wait too long before there's some kind of joke happening to kind of lighten the mood. This is the kind of movie that you could show to a person who doesn't typically like horror films because the one thing that this movie doesn't have, in my opinion, that horror films are supposed to have is the ability to scare people. Now, if you're very easily scared, then I guess the sight of any vampire could be scary to you. But that's a very big if. I think most of you or most people wouldn't find this movie scary. And the people that um, could watch it that don't typically watch horror films, I don't think they're going to get scared. And this is to your benefit if you're going to watch this movie with someone like that. Um, but most specifically, I guess I just want to focus on talking to the person who is considering watching this movie. Watch the trailer on YouTube. That's the easiest way to decide if this is for you, right? This is a movie that I am recommending for people who just want to watch a fun, silly, you know, kind of wild action comedy horror-ish film. Um... <laughs> This is in the, this this film is like in the same group as like movies like uh, The Lost Boys, John Carpenter's Vampires, and the Blade trilogy. In that, uh, the concept is about vampire hunters, 
and you know people who are in most vampire movies there's a lot of people who are running from vampires in those movies and in this movie you have people who are running towards vampires because their goal is to kill them um now when i saw the trailer for this movie i saw snoop dogg in the trailer and was under the impression that this was going to be like a buddy film between jamie fox and snoop dogg and i was really excited about that and i hope this is not considered a spoiler if anything, I think that if you were like me and that was important to you, this is kind of a warning, but I hope this warning doesn't turn you off from avoiding the movie altogether. Snoop Dogg's not in this movie very much. He's in the first act and then the last act, and his presence in it is great. Like when you see him, um, it's it's good for the story. And, you know, I don't know, maybe a lot of little Snoop Dogg goes a long way. Maybe he would have wore out his welcome if, if you had to spend an entire film with, with you know, Snoop Dogg. I, I disagree. I wanted to see a movie with Snoop Dogg knowing the plot of the film, because although I told you the plot of the film, I didn't go into enough detail to explain why he's not in the film the whole time and and what you actually get from the film. Um, and what you do get works. But I just want you to know that you're not going to get an entire movie featuring Snoop Dogg. Did this make for a good double feature? Yes and no. Yes, in that they're both good movies. So in that sense, that's all it takes for something to be considered a good double feature. But um, I didn't specifically feel like this was a good double feature now that I've sat through it and I'm thinking about what I saw and how I feel about it. I don't usually think it's a good idea to watch two movies back to back that are two new movies. And I'm just speaking for myself here um, because I feel like that's two opportunities to potentially get disappointed. I've never seen these movies before. So normally, if I program a double feature, I do it two ways. One is, and this is the most common way, um, if I'm going to watch a new movie, I would make sure that I watch the new movie first and choose an old movie that I know that I like second. That way, if I am disappointed by the new movie, uh, the second film that plays will kind of fix that experience. So I end the night on a high note. Or... And of course, this is the more common way that I personally program double features is I, I pick two movies that I have seen before and I just try and pick films that have similar tone. So I know that it will even out and balance to make a good viewing experience for the night. But um, earlier in this podcast, I had mentioned my reasoning for putting the black phone first and day shift second. And now that I've sat through it, I can tell you that I think I made a mistake. I should have put day shift first and black phone second. I think I should have started the double feature with the high energy film because when you start a double feature, you yourself feel a little bit more energetic. You're at your most, um, the most that you can pay attention to something. So like with that energy, you want to go with something as fast paced as day shift. And then because the film is so fast paced, it's not exhausting, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it takes a little bit out of you. So by the time you get the black phone, you can, you, you can kind of relax with it and just settle in like, ah, okay, now I got that out of the way. I can just kind of like ease into the second film. So I really should have watched day shift first and, uh, the black phone second. So for some reason you're, 
you insist that you want to repeat this double feature, I would recommend you do day shift first and back one second. But my, my bigger recommendation is that you don't watch these two films back to back. If anything, I recommend that you watch them um, as separate viewings because when you watch two movies and you watch them back to back and they're two new movies, then you can't help but to compare them. And that's kind of unfair, especially when the two films are so different because whether you like it or not, you're going to pick one movie over the other because I, I, I liked the black phone more than I liked day shift, but I think it's um, not fair to day shift for me to think of it as a lesser film because black phone is so much better. Is it better? It's better. In my opinion, it has, um, I think it's, I think it's the better film, but um, I think day shift is so good for what it has to offer that it never should have been compared to a film like the black phone to begin with. Um, so I do recommend watching these movies, but I think that if anything, uh, you should watch them separately and based on how I describe them, you know, watch them if they sound like something that would appeal to you. All right, there you go. I did something I don't usually do. I talk about newer films and I talked about uh, double feature. Uh, thank you for spending time with me as I babbled my way through this, uh, this double feature and we'll do it again very soon. In the meantime, do me a favor and take care of yourself and each other. Aloha.